Well, good morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Nate. I'm one of the pastors here at Harvest, and it is always a privilege when I get the opportunity to open up the Word of God with you on Sunday mornings. Um, next week, Pastor Doug will be back in our series in Psalms, but we're going to stay in Psalms this morning, just jumping back a little and just doing one of my favorite songs. So, uh, I know we're supposed to love them all, but there are some that are just near and dear to us, and Psalm 67 is that for me, and so I'm glad that I get to open up to that with you this morning. So let's jump right in here and see what God has for us here in Psalm 67. Verse 1, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on the earth and your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Father, Speak to us this morning through your word, Lord. Give us eyes to see your beauty in this psalm and help us to hear what you'd have us to hear together this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the the first thing that we notice here in this psalm is that it's a prayer. It's a prayer song The psalmist is calling out to God and he's requesting something. And it's it's adapted from the priestly prayer in Numbers chapter 6 that was prayed over the people by Aaron and his sons. And what's he requesting? Well, look at verse 1 there. He says, be gracious to us, God. Be merciful to us and bless us. Make your face shine upon us or among us. This is the idea of show us your favor and And not just us, but to the whole earth there in verse 2, that your way may be known on the earth, that your way, that God's way, that the way of the righteous might be known. And then he goes on requesting. Look at verse 3. Let the peoples praise you. What peoples? All the peoples. And 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Verse 5, let the peoples praise you. All of them. And then verse 7, let all the ends of the earth fear you, God. This is no small prayer here. This is a, a big, bold prayer to a big God. It's a prayer filled with hope and expectation and dependence upon and towards an amazing goal. That goal, the praise of God amongst all peoples. He prays for the blessing of God immediately to them and then ultimately to all people. Who prays like this? Question for you. Are your prayers proportionate to the size of your God? Are your prayers, are our prayers proportionate to the size and the power of our God. 
Or do we pray in complete dependence upon him? Or are our prayers sized just right for our accomplishment of them? Uh, Kids, children tend to pray God-sized prayers, don't they? Um, I've noticed that sometimes I just pray so reasonably. Uh, We'll be at the table and we're like, hey, let's pray for this person in the hospital. And I'm like, Lord, help them, give the doctors wisdom, you know, uh, help them to figure out what's wrong and then be with their hands as they do surgery. All good prayers, nothing wrong with that, right? But then my children pray and they're like, God, they're sick. Make them better. (laughs) Bring them home. They miss their families. Like they pray big prayers. They pray in total faith that God will accomplish what they're crying out to him to do. We get so responsible with our prayers in our maturity, don't we? And in reality, the more we come to know God, the more we ought to be inclined to pray huge, God-sized prayers. Why? Because we know how awesome he is. We know how powerful and merciful and gracious our God is. And he stands ready to hear and to answer our prayers for his glory and for his name's sake. Now, don't get me wrong. Bring everything to the Lord in prayer. Pray the responsible stuff too. But we serve the God of the universe. Don't insult him with weak, puny, man-sized prayers. The only way that the peoples, the only way that the nations will be reached with the gospel is if God intervenes, the creator God, the God of the heavens and the earth, that God that formed man out of the dust of the ground. And so we cry out to the Lord, act as only you can, God. Draw these people, draw this person to yourself and save them. Let them praise you. Let them be glad in you. Let them worship you. Lord, save Dave. Lord, save Dan and Jason and Steve. Melt hearts of stone and turn them to hearts of flesh and open their eyes so that they may behold you and praise you. Church, no more wimpy prayers. We serve a strong God. That's hopeful, right? We don't have to do what only he can do. We faithfully follow him and we obey him and we serve him and we worship him and we cry out to him to work mightily. May we be a people who are crying out for the nations. Lord, let the peoples praise you. First thing we see is that this is a prayer But what's what's this prayer song about? What's the main point of this prayer? It's here in verses 1 and 2, and I specifically want to look at 1 first. And we can see the blessing that's here in 1. God, be gracious to us, be merciful to us, and bless us. 
Make your face shine upon us. I I love this. Make your face shine upon us. Show your favor to us. Keep your promises. This actually has the idea here of friendship with God. There's intimacy in this. He's like, "Let let us see your smiling face. Smile upon us, Lord. Be in relationship with us. And this is not an earned blessing. This blessing is an unmerited, undeserved favor. It's, it's grace. It's not because of anything we've done, but it's because God is gracious and he's merciful and he shows us his favor. The blessing is rooted in uh, Abraham or God's covenant with Abraham, which is in Genesis 12. Read to you real quick. And the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God pursues Abraham. He calls him. It's his initiative. And Abraham believes and trusts God in faith and receives And now we've seen in the book of Galatians that through Jesus Christ, we're brought into this promise and this blessing. And we are forgiven and by grace through faith, we are redeemed and brought into relationship with Jesus Christ. And we are blessed. And it's nothing of our doing. It's only because of his grace, his initiative, his favor towards us. Um, Edmund Clowney was a really smart guy and he defined blessing like this. He said, blessing is the pronouncing of God's favor. It includes the gifts that God gives us as evidence of his love and favor. But, but, blessing is more than just what God gives. It's the, it's the bond of favor that joins God's people with him. It's the bond of favor that joins God's people with him. In other words, the greatest blessing from God is God. God's blessing is first and foremost and ultimately himself. The giving of himself to his people, specifically now in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We've been united with him in relationship, in blessing. And that blessing results in praise, doesn't it? It results in worship. Look at this passage. Um, uh, The blessing of our God, his unmerited favor, it overflows and results in worship. Verse 3, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Why? Look back at verse 2 at the end. (laughs) You're saving power amongst the nations. Your way your deliverance, and that results in worship. Verse 4, let the nations be glad. May they rejoice. May they sing for joy. Why? Because he is the just judge of all people, and he guides the nations upon the earth. Verse 5, let the peoples praise you. Let all of them praise you. Let them worship you. Why? Verse verse 6. I love this. The earth has yielded its increase. Okay? This is talking about the harvest. And so he's like, 
Here's the harvest. So I've promised to bless you. I am blessing you. And here's evidence of that. The harvest demonstrates that God was already at work. He's already blessing and will continue to bless and will bless even more so in the future. And that results in worship. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. We have been blessed beyond our wildest imaginations in and through relationship with Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 says, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We are elected, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, and sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Awesome. We are blessed. But verse 1 is not the complete main point. Look at it. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us or among us. Why? Verse 2. So that your your way may be known on the earth and your saving power among the nations. Here, you see nations and you see earth and you see people. All of that different ways of saying everyone. He's like, you here, he's telling us the main point of this psalm. We have been blessed to be a blessing. We have been blessed to be a blessing. God has been gracious to his people and blessed us so that we may be a blessing to others and so that they would turn and enjoy worshiping him along with us. Verse 2 here is, it's dependent upon uh, verse 1. It provides the reason why. It's a, it's a purpose clause. He's blessed his people not for our own benefit alone, but for his purpose. And what's his purpose? That people everywhere Other people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation would would know him, it says in verse 2, and would know his way, God's way, the way of the righteous, the right way, the happy way, the Psalm 1 way. God's desire is that people would know him and his saving power. Verse 4, that they would be glad and sing for joy in relationship with him. That they would know his justice and mercy and be guided by him and be blessed by him. His global purpose is to multiply worshipers of himself across all people. He blesses his people for a purpose. Do you hear that? You have a purpose. He blesses his people for a purpose. And that purpose is spreading his glory and his praise to the world. Again, Genesis 12. Actually, I'm going to flip back even further. Genesis 1. To Adam and Eve, God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And then back to Abraham. He said to Abram, go 
from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. Why? So that you will be a blessing in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And that blessing continues here through Psalm 67. And, and it's not just an Old Testament thing. It goes to the New Testament, right? Matthew 28, 19 and 20. What's it say? Go, make disciples of all nations. One of my favorites is 1 Peter 2, 9. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We are saved to. We are saved for a mission. The grace, the favor of God is not meant to be hoarded. It's meant to be shared with the world. Can you see how merely sitting in his grace and blessing makes it all about me? It's, it's a consumer mindset. Just get, 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 get. But receiving his blessing to be on his mission. It's all about him. It places me where I need to be and it places him properly at the center of it all. At the center of his saving work. Right where he belongs and not where I belong. Grace is not intended to be stockpiled. It's intended to be shared. Let your light shine. God's blessing is meant to be spread. Christianity is a going faith. We are blessed and then sent on a mission with God. To be a believer is to be a redeemed child of God on a mission. It's interesting here in verses 1 and 2. Because being blessed... And being a blessing are far more connected here than I ever imagined before I started studying this passage for this week. I'm going to say blessing here a lot in the next minute. So just hold on. It's for a reason. Okay? Being on his mission is part of the blessing. We are blessed by God and we are blessed with God. God in relationship with in in friendship we're blessed by him and with him and we are blessed in being a blessing the purpose of the blessing is part of the blessing it completes the blessing we enjoy his favor as we receive it and then spread it to others you can't separate God's blessing from his mission. The blessing has, has a purpose. It's important to note here that 
the mission doesn't earn us the favor with God. The mission is the fruit of his favor overflowing in worship by joining him on his mission of multiplying worshipers amongst all people. Why have we been blessed? So that we may be a blessing. That's the point of this psalm. That's the point of our salvation. We are blessed so that we may join him on his mission to be worshipped and to be praised amongst all people. So if you've been around a while, you know that I like to ask usually around this point, how? How? What's this look like? How do I enjoy his blessing on his mission? Three ways, really quick. First way that I enjoy his blessing on his mission is I delight in him. I delight in him. Look at verses three and four there. It says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing, shout for joy. God intends for his people to enjoy him. In Psalm 16, it says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. He wants to be worshipped and to be enjoyed and he wants you to be glad in him as savior and as just judge over the earth and he wants you to praise him. Remember, there's nothing in us deserving of any grace from God. And yet, He's offered himself to us. And his spirit, if you are in Christ, has taken up residence in us. We are blessed. A right understanding of our undeserved blessing places us in a properly humble posture of gratitude and joy. And delight. And that, that fuels our worship. And then it grows in us a desire to see others delight in him. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was sitting outside with my little dude. He's five years old, Corbin. And Corbin is just like dad. And we tend to be the dreamers of the group And so we're doing what we like to do best, sit with our feet propped up and looking at the clouds. And uh, we're just sitting there looking at the clouds, not saying anything. And he's got his arms back. And and all of a sudden he goes, Dad? I was like, yeah, bud. He's like, God is awesome. And I was like, yes, he is, buddy. He is awesome. And we sat there and we delighted in the work of our God's hands in the clouds, and it was cool. And I thought back to that. 
as I was preparing for this today, and I, re- I realized how awesome that we were sitting there and just delighting in who our God was. But at the same time, across the street and down the block and around the world, there were people who would live and die in this life and never get to enjoy God like we just did. May our delight in the awesomeness of our Savior fuel our desire to see all people worship him and delight in him. How do I enjoy his blessing on his mission? One, I delight in him. Two, we rest in his promises. We rest in his promises. Uh, Verses six and seven, I mentioned, you know, the, the earth has yielded its increase. The Lord's like, I've given the harvest. I've blessed you, okay? I promised that I would bless you, and now you see that I am blessing you, and I will continue to bless you in ways that you can't even imagine. So I am at work now, and I will be at work, and I will work in ways that you can't even fathom in eternity. And we rest in his promises. Uh, uh, Joshua Project, if you don't know what Joshua Project is, it's a really cool organization. Just Google it, Joshua Project. And um, I want to share you some, with you some numbers from them. Uh, I don't like sharing numbers a lot, but numbers, according to Pastor Doug, do tell a story sometimes. And I think these numbers tell a story, and so I want to share them with you. There are, at present, approximately 7.5-ish billion people on the planet. Out of those, approximately 3.5 billion people, over 6,000 people groups, have never heard the gospel and have little or no access to it at all. Nearly half of the world has never and may live and die having never been able to ever even be in a conversation about Jesus. Another one, if, if everyone who professes Christianity, and we know what, we understand that in the United States, but if everyone who ever professed Christianity was indeed redeemed, 2.5 billion people on this planet would be Christians, which means that at any given time, there are 5 billion people in this world who will never experience the joy of worshiping together in community like we have this morning. The Afghan people, 8.1 million, zero or no access to the gospel. The Algerian people, 27.8 million people, hardly any access to the good news of Jesus Christ. The Ansari people, 11 million people. The Betui people of Indonesia, 7 million people. The Han of China, 70 million people who've never heard the good news. 5 million in the UK, and there are 11 million people in the United States that are considered completely unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. According to Exodus Refugee, there are between 50 and 80,000 refugees, half of which are children who have been displaced from their homes and are admitted into the U.S. each year. And a large majority of those people are from those peoples that are unreached with the gospel. 
They're from the Congo and Burma and Syria and Somalia and Iraq and Iran. And nearly 2,000 of those refugees every year are admitted right here to live in central Indiana. Ha! The nations here. Our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers here. Those are staggering numbers, aren't they? Hold on. I don't share those with you to make you feel guilty. Okay? Are we clear on that? I do not share those numbers with you to bring any guilt whatsoever. Not that. We have been blessed And we have not been blessed to now be crushed by the burden of the mission. Do you hear that? We've not been blessed by God to now be crushed under the burden of the mission. The mission could be daunting. It could be overwhelming and it could lead us to a place of of despair at the sheer magnitude of it. Or even at our sense of inadequacy for it. But we don't hope in ourselves We lean on, we rest in Jesus Christ and his promises, right? First promise that we can rest in. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's a promise. Jesus is like, guess what? I'm going to build my church. I am building it and will continue to build it. And hell has no say in that. Christ is building his church in Scotland. Amy and I had the privilege just about a year and a half ago of going over to Scotland and spending some time with Pastor Scott Hamilton, who's the pastor of Harvest Glasgow, Scotland. Love Scott. And he walked us through the streets of Glasgow and he explained to us that Christianity has a rich heritage in Scotland. But now, he said, look, and we walked past church after church after church that had been turned into bars and brothels and empty spaces. And he says, my people need Jesus. A year and a half later, I talked to him last week. And Harvest Glasgow is preparing and dreaming and moving forward right now with planting churches around the UK. God is building his church. Pastor Miche from Georgetown, I talked to him this past week, and he was just sharing with me some of the heaviness and difficulty as they move forward to plant their church in Georgetown on St. Vincent Island. And he said, listen, this is a hard village where the gospel isn't And we need these people to see the beauty of Jesus Christ. And frankly, I was overwhelmed by it, okay? It's not good. The coaching church isn't supposed to be the one that gets overwhelmed by it. But I was. And and he stops and he goes, brother, except in a really cool Caribbean accent. (laughs) And he said, he said, brother, it's okay. We don't have to build it. He's promised he is and he will. And so we stay faithful and we cry out for him to work. Christ will build his church. Awesome. 
Pastor Nestle, many of you don't know who Pastor Nestle is. Pastor Nestle is our church planter in Haiti. Lord willing, the beginning of next year, we're going to be planting with him harvest Quadabouquet in, in Haiti. Quadabouquet is just north of Port-au-Prince in Haiti, and it's two square miles of nearly 300,000 people, many of which don't know Jesus. And I asked Pastor Nestle this week, how are you doing? And he's like, oh, we, don't, we haven't figured out a place to meet yet. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. He goes, no, it's okay. We're out here in the middle of a field and people are being saved. And God is growing his church and he will build it and he is building it weekly. We are hearing about kids coming to know Christ over in Harvest Kids. We are hearing about children coming to know Christ in your families. We are hearing about your coworkers and your neighbors who are receiving Jesus Christ. God is building his church, and we rest in that. We do not scurry about hectically on mission as if it depends on us. We don't fall into despair at the magnitude of the mission as if it depends on us. We fall into Jesus, and we rest in his promises. The second promise that's really important to note is that he is with us. He's with us. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, he gives us the mission, right? He says, go, go, make disciples of all nations, and behold, I will be with you. What an amazing promise. This week, um, I came home one night, and my oldest daughter who is way too mature beyond her years. Oh, Kami, uh, she sees me come in and she goes, hey dad, how's your preparation going for your sermon? Because <laughs> why wouldn't I talk with my 10-year-old about that? And I'm like, it's, it's, it's going okay. And she's like, what do you mean okay? It's like, step into my office. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean okay, dad? And I was like, well, I just... I really just want people to see how God intends us to be on his mission. She goes, okay. And I'm like, but I don't want them to be like, ah, like, what are we going to do? It's so daunting. I just want them to trust Jesus. And she goes, hmm, dad, I think you should just tell them. Don't be, ah, trust Jesus. And so the word from my daughter this morning Don't be, ah, trust him. He's building it and he is with us. This is not a a hectic mission. It's an urgent mission. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. It's an urgent mission. And it's a restful mission to take the gospel to the nations. What does it look like to enjoy his blessing on his mission? It looks like delighting in him. It looks like resting in him. And thirdly, it looks like devoting ourselves to his mission. Devoting ourselves on his mission. We aren't crushed under the burden 
of going to the nations. Instead, we get to joyfully devote ourselves to the mission of going to all people. Rather than crushing us, it invigorates us to spend ourselves on his mission. Blessing, delighting in, and resting in are are not opposed to effort. Our effort is fueled and sustained by his blessing and delighting in him and resting. The blessing and joy in our going. We enjoy the Lord more fully. In fact, I would say we enjoy the Lord most fully in this life as we are blessed by him while we are on his mission. God's promise is that God is absolutely sovereign, that he is and will continue to build his church, does not lull us into lives of apathy and indifference. Instead, it ignites us and catapults us into lives on God's mission. We get the privilege of taking the gospel to five billion people who are lost and without him. That's not crushing. That's an amazing opportunity to see the fame of his name spread across this planet for his glory. As worshipers of the one true God, we long for people from every people group to worship him along with us and to be in relationship with him and to love him and to, verse 4, be glad and sing for joy in relationship with him. God is absolutely sovereign and he has blessed us and that frees us frees us to devote ourselves to taking his name everywhere so that all people may praise him. Side note, there are seasons of life where reaching lost people looks different for each of us, and we get that, right? There are seasons of life where reaching lost people looks different. Maybe this season for you involves fervent, faith-filled prayer for the nations and for those who are doing other things on the mission. Don't ever say, well, all I can do right now is pray. Baloney. That's a biblical word. Baloney. Please Devote yourself to being on your knees and crying out to God. Our powerful, big God to save the nations. You prayers are on the front lines of the battle. Don't forget it. Delight in, rest in, devote yourself to his mission. So we continue to pray God-sized prayers. We continue to do things like pack barrels. We continue to give sacrificially and plant churches and to commit ourselves to go. Where should I go? Anywhere. 
everywhere. Go. We, we spend ourselves and we devote ourselves to sharing the gospel organically and purposefully in our everyday lives with our family, our children, our parents, with our neighbors, our, our co-workers, strangers, and to the ends of the earth. The gospel to all people The gospel to the nations is not a program. It's God's purpose for the Christian's life. It's God's purpose for the church. And so we persistently and we passionately and we purposefully pursue all people everywhere with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that by his grace many all may hear of him may know of him may fall on their knees and turn to him and praise him along with us we have been blessed so that the nations will praise him we've been blessed to be a blessing. Father, may you be gracious to us. May you bless us. Oh God, make your face shine upon us so that your way may be known on the earth so that your saving power might be known among the nations and among our our neighbors and among our workplaces and among this community and among all peoples. Let the nations praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the people with equity. And you guide the nations upon the earth. Let the people praise you, oh God. Oh, please, Lord. Let the people praise you.